0: this is tailgate till may part of the believe podcast network if you love college sports and you like to put a little action on the games then this is the place for you because i'm your host steven gorgie and i love those things too you can find me on social media all at the same handle at Gorgon sports that's twitter or x whatever you want to call it instagram tiktok all at Gorg on sports. Hit me up there on social media because I want you to be a part of the show. I want to hear what you're thinking. I want to know what you're feeling. I want to know about your bad beats. I want to know about your big wins. I want to know what I got right. And of course, what I got wrong. And recently I've been getting a little more right than I've gotten wrong last week, a really nice week. I was positive positive. 2.26 2.26 units I went seven and four on my bets against the spread money line uh, totals things of that nature seven and four there and i missed on my money line parlay of the week but it ended out to just over two units plus 2.26 units in week six overall on the season i'm ju- up just over five units on the year at 5.14 units and i'm looking to keep that number going up up into the right that chart moving up into the right as the season goes on and it all starts with a big week seven but before I get to all my bets before we spray the board before I tell you what I'm watching and on what TVs I'm watching them on we gotta do our showdown breakdown because it's a huge game it's a game I've been looking forward to all season long it's Oregon going to Washington in a top 10 matchup at 3.30 Eastern time on ABC. The Ducks are a three-point underdog to the Huskies. The total in this game is 67. And before I get into how I'm playing this game, before I get into the various angles, I want to talk a little bit about the bigger picture implications of this game. Because to me, there have not been any two teams more dominant in this country You can talk about Georgia's win last week. You can talk about what Michigan has done. And Michigan is up there to me. Michigan would be number three. But Oregon and Washington have been the two most dominant teams in the country from my perspective. And I firmly believe that if Oregon wins this game, they should be the number one team in the country. Nobody will have a win like on the road at Washington. Yes, Florida State went on the road and beat Clemson. That's a good win. Clemson's not Washington this year. I know it sounds weird to say, but Clemson ain't Washington. LSU on a neutral site, a fantastic win. Have you seen LSU's defense lately? And this is not to take away from Florida State or what Florida State has done, but that's how good I think these two teams are. That's how good I think Oregon and Washington are the best win in the country right now is probably Texas on a neutral field by Oklahoma or Alabama on the road by Texas. I think those are the two best wins in the country right now. But Oregon going on the road and winning in Seattle against this Washington team that has been downright dominant, I think would make them an easy number one in the country. And for Washington's part, yeah, it would be at home, and I don't know that it's it's definitely the best win in the country just because it is at home. But look at this Oregon team. Look how they've been playing. They open up the season by putting up an 81 spot, an eighty-one point performance against Portland State. 81 points. Ridiculous. They go on the road and they squeak one out against Texas tech. Yeah, it was a tough one, but it's early in the season on the road against a good big 12 team. They find a way to get the win. And then since that point, they beat Hawaii 55 10 and they win Pac 12 games back to back Pac 12 games, 42 to six over Colorado and Stanford. Uh, that's everybody's darling Colorado that they destroy 42 to six. Oregon has been Unbelievable. Bo Nix has been unbelievable, completing 80% of his passes on the season. I think he has just one pick. Yeah, just one pick on the year for Bo, 15 touchdowns to one interception. He has had an unreal start to the season and he's made that Heisman advertising that you see everywhere uh he's he's proven that he deserves it and there should be a real Heisman campaign behind him because he has been that good so I think this game needs to be treated like it is Alabama Georgia like it is a Oklahoma Texas like it is a USC Notre Dame in certain years these teams are this good and I don't think the loser of this game is out of the college ball playoff conversation by any means. I think the Pac-12 is good enough that if there are, let's say, let's say that Washington takes care of business at home, and then they run the table the rest of the way up to the Pac-12 championship game. That, that means that they, they will have beaten Oregon, Utah, USC, Oregon State, and Washington State. I think that would be easily the best resume in the country. Now, let's say Oregon loses this game and they run the table the rest of the way against that same gauntlet. They meet in the Pac-12 championship game. I think you can make a very good and reasonable case that if Oregon were to beat an undefeated Washington in the PAC 12 championship game, that both teams should make the college ball playoff because I think the PAC 12 is that good. We need to talk about the PAC 12 like it is the sec because it's at that level this year it is that caliber of a conference this year and i think that's how we need to be talking about this game so to me the winner of this game has a very good case to be ranked number one in the country they have a very good case to claim the best win in the country and they have a very good they have put themselves in pole position To be the number one overall seed in the college football playoff because of this win and because of the gauntlet that they will have to go through the rest of the Pac 12 season. So, how am I going to bet this game? Well, I think there's really only one play. Well, I got a couple plays in this one actually a couple of them include uh, prop bets, but there's really only one traditional play that I feel great about and it's the over 67 and a half. These two offenses are fantastic. When you look at offensive success rate, which is essentially a, a measure of how teams perform on a down to down basis. Washington is number one, and Oregon is number two in the country in that metric when you exclude garbage time. And as always, with all these metrics, I exclude garbage time because I really only care about how teams perform when the game is still in the balance. So they are the top two offenses in the country when it comes to success rate, excluding garbage time. They're both top 50 in explosiveness in the country. So not only are they efficient, but they're explosive. They hit big plays. Not only are they efficient and explosive, but when they generate opportunities, they convert on those opportunities. Oregon, number two in the country in points per opportunity. Washington, number 15 in the country in points per opportunity. And Washington's passing game has just been unreal this season. I talked about Bo Nix and his 80% completion percentage, while Michael Penix has been just as impressive this season, just under 75% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns to two interceptions, and just under 2,000 yards on the season through the air 1999 Michael Penix is partying like it's 1999 and why shouldn't he be with the three receivers that he has probably the only receiving core that can rival Ohio State with Adunze, Polk, and Millen. Those guys all have over 20 catches on the season, uh, and they all have at least 300 yards. Adunze, 600 yards receiving on the year already. It's an unbelievable receiving core. It's an unbelievable offense, and it's an offense that does it mostly through the air. They are the second-best team in the nation when it comes to passing success rate or success rate on passing plays, despite the fact that they throw it more than any team in the country. So not only do they throw it an absurd amount, but they're really good when they do throw it. That's an unreal combination to do something more than anybody in the country, but also do it better than almost everybody in the country. So Washington's passing game is, to me, the best in the country. I think Oregon's offense is a little more balanced. They have a really nice running game. And when I went back last year and I watched the replay of the game and it was a great game last year, Washington gets a 37, 34 win in Eugene in a game that Oregon probably feels like they should have had. They let slip away late. Oregon ran the ball really well. They ran for 312 yards and it was 6.1 yards per carry. So they ran a lot and they ran it efficiently. I think both of these defenses have improved, but to me the offenses are going to have their way the offenses are just too good and i think you just sit back relax and watch them put up points last year they put up 71 combined points it was a 37 to 34 game but i went back and i watched this whole game last year i went back i watched it this week i think there was more points still on the board michael Penix threw a red zone pick uh Oregon fumbled. They were going to go in for a touchdown. They basically had a touchdown. The way it was blocked, they were going to score a touchdown on this play. They were inside the five-yard line, and they fumbled. Oregon also missed a field goal at the end of the half. So there was points left on the board in that game. I don't think they leave those points on the board this year. These offenses are too good. Yes, the defenses are improved. Uh, I think they're, yeah, there's no doubt they are improved. They are closer to top 25 defenses this year than they were last year. I think last year they were probably more like around 50-ish defenses. If you look at Bill Connelly's SP+, advanced analytics system Oregon's defense is ranked number 20 in the country right now. Washington's 26th. But these offenses are efficient, explosive, and they score when they get opportunities. I don't care how good the defense is. It's not like these defenses have gotten to Georgia in 2021 levels, I think these offenses are clearly the best units in this game and they're going to score. So sit back, relax, and I'm going to sit back and relax and and just watch that over and watch them put up points. As far as other bets I'm going with, I said I got a couple props and they're both Bo Nix player props. So I am going to take Bo Nix over 16 and a half rushing yards. That's on FanDuel and the odds are minus 114 on that. And then I am also going to take Bo Nix as an anytime touchdown scorer. So that means that Bo Nix has to either score a rushing or a receiving touchdown. Passing touchdowns do not count. Obviously, in this case, we're looking for a Bo Nix rushing touchdown. I don't think he's going to be getting any touchdown receptions in this game, but that is plus 135 odds. And I really like both of those bets, especially after watching last year's game, because what Oregon did a really good job of last season was spreading Washington out and then running up the middle, especially with Bo Nix. They've also shown a willingness Oregon has to run Bo Nix in big games, including last year against Washington, where he ran for, uh, he ran. 10 times for 55 yards and a touchdown in that game. They ran him a bunch last season. He had eight games where he had at least 30 rushing yards or more, and nine games where he had at least six carries or more. He also had 14 rushing touchdowns on the year a season ago. This year, they've really only had one game where they were challenged, and that was that Texas Tech game. In that game, he rushed nine times for 46 yards. They have shown a willingness to run Bone Nix in big games when they need him, and there's no doubt this is a big game and they are gonna need him. I often shy away from quarterback rushing props because sacks count as negative yardage for quarterbacks. If Bo Nix takes a 10-yard sack, that goes down as negative 10 rushing yards for him, and it can skew the totals. However, I feel okay. I feel good, actually, in this instance because He does not get sacked very much. Oregon does not allow a lot of pressure, and Washington really doesn't generate a whole lot of pressure up front. Washington's 128th out of 133 in the country in front seven havoc. Well, Oregon is number 11 in the country at limiting front seven havoc. Last year, Knicks was only sacked four times the entire season. This year, he has been sacked more. He has taken three sacks on the year, but all in all, I, I'm not too worried about him taking sacks because of uh, Washington's inability to, to generate pressure and the job that Oregon does of limiting the pressure. You take all those things together. You take the way he ran against them last year. You take the holes that were available in that game last year. You take Oregon's propensity for running Bo Nix when they need him to run, and you take Washington's inability to create pressure up front. I really like both of these numbers. Bo Nix over 16 and half rushing yards. Bo Nix plus a 135 as an anytime touchdown score. You add that to the over 67 and I think it'll be a fun game to watch. I just don't want to, I don't have a strong enough feeling on who is going to win this game. Obviously I have been Mr. Husky all off season long into the season. I've loved this team. I have futures bets on this team, but I just can't say that I can tell a huge difference between the two of these teams right now. I don't think there's a lot of value in the spread. So I'm going to take that over and I'm going to take those player props on my big game of the day. I can't wait for this one. And I truly do believe that the winner of this game has a great case to be the number one team in the country on Sunday. Now, whether they are moved up to that number one team in the country or not we will see i strongly doubt they will be but i think they would have a great case to be the number one team in the country and especially as they go through that gauntlet of the pack 12 if they if the winner of that can navigate their way through it i think they they have a better case than anybody to be the uh, top seed in the college football playoff All right. It's time to tell you what I'm watching and what I'm betting. It's time to spray the board for week seven. Let's do it. And let's start with our weeknight action. And I'm going to start with the Friday night games. There is a good game tonight. West Virginia at Houston, the Dana Holgerson Bowl, two teams that have been seemingly going in opposite directions this season. I don't have a play in that one. So I'm going to go right to Friday where the where Tulane goes to memphis in an aac battle if you've been with me for a while you know that i got a memphis plus 800 future to win the aac so that's a big one in that regard and uh how i'm gonna play this one is i am gonna go over 54 and a half the total in this one 54 and a half two a four and a half point favorite i'm going over in this one because i think the Tulane offense has been slightly underrated By some of the computers, due to the absence of their starting quarterback, Michael Pratt, in a couple games. In the games that he has started, they have not scored less than 35 points in any of those games. I think this Tulane offense is very very good. I think this Memphis offense is very good, and I've seen I, we've seen it in a year ago. Tulane has shown that they will get into shootouts with some of these AAC teams in these American Conference games. I think this is another shootout. I'm going over 54 and a half here. I guess I'm liking overs this week. This just seems like one where they're going back and forth and back and forth. I am also going to add Memphis as the money as my first leg of my money line parlay of the week. I don't love Memphis at plus four and a half. I'm not super confident that they're going to win this game, but it seems like enough of the of a toss up that when you're looking for underdogs to play on the money line, and I looked at every last one of them this week because. I didn't feel like there was a lot of great options. Memphis at home in a game that they need to really give them a leg up in the AAC. I think I'm willing to, to take a risk on it. I think there's some value there. I think these teams are, are comparable enough. You know, it's kind of like, to some extent, it's kind of like how I bet them in the preseason. I felt like these teams were comparable enough that it was worth it to take 8 to 1 odds on Memphis. And in this game I feel like these teams are comparable enough where both have a very good offense. I think Tulane's defense is probably slightly better than Memphis's defense, although Memphis's defense has certainly improved from a season ago, but it's still not as good as not as good as Tulane's for sure. Um I think it, they're close enough where it's worth it to take a little bit of a risk here with Memphis at home in a big game. So give me Memphis on the the first leg of my money line parlay of the week. Okay, on to Saturday afternoon in the noon Eastern time slot. And this time slot is weird. There's a trend here. There's a lot of big names playing against a lot of inferior competition. You have Georgia as a 31 and a half point favorite at Vandy. You have Michigan as a thirty-three and a half point favorite at home against Indiana. You have Alabama as a 19 to 20 and a half point favorite against Arkansas. Florida State as a 17.5 point favorite at Syracuse. And the Buckeyes, Ohio State, as a 19.5 point favorite on the road at Purdue. Can we get a two touchdown spread here? No, it doesn't seem like it doesn't look like it. So not the greatest time slot in the world. If I had to if I had to rank them and I had to do my main TV, second TV laptop setup, I guess I'm going Alabama on the main TV, Alabama hosting Arkansas, because I'm still curious about I'm still curious about this Alabama team. They seem like they have gotten themselves on the right track now that they're committed to Jalen Milroe and tailoring their offense to him, but I'm still curious about them. Arkansas is not on the right track. Arkansas is staring down the barrel of a season they really, really don't want to have right now. So I guess I'll keep this one on just to continue learning a little bit more about Alabama and seeing if they have another another gear in them but this is not the greatest time slot and it's not the time slot that i'm looking forward to the most as far as a second tv i would go syracuse hosting florida state i still do want to learn about florida state because i've been a little more iffy on them in the last few weeks they haven't done well against mobile quarterbacks garrett schrader at syracuse is a mobile quarterback so we will see about that one um and i think that one is if I'm not mistaken, it is in Tallahassee. So makes it a little less interesting. Yeah, just not the greatest time slot here at noon. But I'd have that one as my second TV. And then on the laptop, I'm going to go with Ohio State at Purdue because this is the game I'm going to bet. And I, before I get to my bet, man, I heard the wildest stat this week from Spencer Holbrook. Uh, he covers the Buckeyes for Letterman Row. And he said that every Ohio State coach since 1946, has lost on the road to Purdue at some point. So Purdue, West Lafayette, has been a house of horrors for the Buckeyes, apparently, over the years. And you know, you think back through your memories, and you do remember all these games with uh, Purdue, <laughs> Purdue beating Ohio State, whether it's Jeff Brom as the head coach, or Joe Tiller as the head coach of Purdue, there have been these instances where Purdue does beat Ohio State. But in this game, I don't think that happens. I think Ohio State's defense shuts them down. Ohio State's defense... I trust significantly more than Ohio State's offense. I still have a lot of questions about Ohio State's offense, but I think that defense is very, very good. Purdue is bottom 20 in the country in points per opportunity and offensive explosiveness. So give me Purdue under 14 and a half points on their team total in this one. I think the Buckeyes defense shuts them down. I don't think the Buckeyes defense is getting enough credit. Still, in a lot of people's mind, Ohio State is that high-powered offense, They give up a lot of big plays that's not the case this season the Ohio State defense is better than the Ohio State offense right now and I think they shut down Purdue Purdue under 14 and a half points on the team total moving on to 330 of course on my main screen is going to be that showdown in the Pacific Northwest between Oregon and Washington no doubt about it a game I've been waiting for all year can't wait to sit down and watch that one and really focus on that one On the second screen, I think I'm going to go Texas A&M, a three and a half point dog, go into Knoxville to play Tennessee. Total in that one, 45, 40, ah, sorry, 54 and a half to 55 and a half, depending on where you look. And I was actually hoping to get Tennessee at a price closer to a pick them here because this is definitely a hangover spot for AM. they lose a huge game to alabama at home last week a game that would have really given them control or put them in the driver's seat at least for the sec west title now they got to pick themselves up the mat up off the mat and and go to Knoxville, which is always a tough place to play. And I'm interested to see here if Tennessee can hit some big plays deep on AM. Because you think about that Tennessee team last year, and you just think big play in the passing game, big play in the passing game. Well, that really hasn't been Tennessee this year, and that has been AM's weakness on that defense, is giving up deep balls, giving up big plays deep down the field. That defense gets after the quarterback so well, but they give up some big plays through the air. It's going to be interesting if Tennessee can get on track and take advantage of that. Uh, against an AM team coming off a huge loss to Alabama no bet there but that will be my second screen and then get into a couple bets here that I'll be watching on the laptop the first bet is one I gave out last Sunday and it's Iowa Wisconsin under 40 and a half now down to 34 and a half look when I saw it at, at above 40 I was like this is an autoplay I can't believe this is Any game involving Iowa right now has a total above 40, and it's just come down and come down and come down. No, I would not play it at 34 and a half. That's why I got it early last Sunday. 34 and a half is a ridiculously low number, and yeah, it might go under that number, but I just don't see a lot of value in that. Iowa cannot score. Last week, they started their new quarterback, Deacon Hill, who was forced into action because of Cade McNamara's injury. He did not complete a pass to a wide receiver in that game. He only completed six passes, five to a tight end, five to their tight end, Eric All, one to a running back. That is ridiculous in 2023 to not complete a pass to a wide receiver. Now this is interesting game from a Wisconsin perspective because Wisconsin has gotten off to an undefeated start, but there's not a ton of talk about Wisconsin. I'm sorry, Wisconsin is not undefeated. They're undefeated in Big Ten play, but they've lost to Washington State. They lost on the road to Washington State. I should know that. I bet on the Cougs in that game. Come on, Stephen. What are you thinking? You know Wisconsin lost a game, but they still, if they win this game, they will be in the driver's seat. In the Big Ten West, and they have a very manageable schedule the rest of the way, including an interesting home game against Ohio State at the end of October. This Wisconsin offense has not been what I expected it to be, with them hiring Phil Longo, an air raid guy, and they've still been more run heavy. It makes sense. They still have Braylon Allen, and why wouldn't you run Braylon Allen when you have him? But I want to see if Wisconsin's offense develops a little bit more as the season goes on. They're a 10 point favorite in this game, which is unbelievable in a game with a 35 point spread. But I think that kind of shows you what everybody feels about Iowa right now. So I am thrilled that I got this one at 40 and a half on Sunday. The other game that I am going to be betting here is Kansas at Oklahoma State. And I don't love this, but it's a calculated risk. Oklahoma State is going to be my second leg of my money line Parlay of the Week. Oklahoma State has got got off to a dreadful start to the season, including that home loss to South Alabama a couple weeks ago. But you know what? They rebounded. They rebounded last week with a win over Kansas State on a Friday night, and they now finally have stopped playing three quarterbacks. They don't have a quarterback rotation anymore. They've gone with Alan Bowman. He's an experienced guy who has been – has been in the Big 12 for a long time. He started his career at Texas Tech. I think he actually transferred to Michigan at one point. I don't think he really ever got much game action there, but he did go to Michigan and now back to Oklahoma State. This man, his his first year in college was 2018. He's been around forever, and he now is the guy that they're going with. He led them to a victory last week over Kansas State. Not the prettiest numbers in the world, but I'm willing to take a calculated risk that they have figured a few things out and that maybe now that they have an established starting quarterback, their defense is playing a little bit better. They held Kansas State to 21 points, forced a bunch of turnovers in that game, that maybe they are on the right side of things. And that maybe the Big 12 is jumbled enough in that middle to bottom of the league that Home field advantage is a big enough deal, especially with Jason being a backup quarterback, looking like he's gonna start again for the Kansas Jayhawks, with uh with Jalen Daniels still battling through some back issues for the Kansas Jayhawks. So calculated risk here that Oklahoma State is a little bit undervalued and they've maybe figured some things out and that there's not a huge discrepancy between these two teams. So Oklahoma State will be my second leg of the money line Parlay of the week. Going to our night slot here, prime time. On the main screen, I am gonna go with the 7:30 p.m. kick USC going to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. The Trojans, a three-point dog to Notre Dame in this one, the total 60 and a half. And I'm going with the Trojans here plus three. Of the four units on the field in this game, the USC offense is the one that I trust the most. I have been hard on USC. Their defense has not been good. I've said a bunch of times that they're a team that won this week that I'm selling. I don't believe in them. But you know what? Their offense is that damn good. It's Oregon, it's Washington, it's USC, and it's LSU. Those are the four offenses in the country right now that are just that good. And I think USC just outscores them. Notre Dame cannot keep up with this USC offense. Notre Dame has played big game after big game. I think they are mentally and physically wore out, whereas USC has not had a big game. Yeah, they they had to go to a bunch of overtimes against Arizona last week, but they haven't had a week where they are... They know they have a big name opponent. I think this offense even finds another extra gear in this one. And I think the defense does just enough. I think that this game should be closer to a pick. I think it should be a pick. And I think those three points are a gift for USC and Caleb Williams. So give me the better offense. Give me the better quarterback. Give me USC plus three. I will also take the Trojans as the final leg of my money line parlay of the week. So that money line parlay will be Memphis on a Friday night. Oklahoma State on Saturday afternoon and USC on Saturday night. It comes out to plus 1231, so just under 12.5 to 1 odds. My second TV during primetime slate will be Miami going to Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels. Miami, a three and a half point dog in this one, the total between 57 to 58, depending on where you look. And I am so curious how the Hurricanes come out and respond after that mind-boggling loss last week to Georgia Tech where Mario Cristobal refused to kneel the football. Had he kneeled the football, they walk out of there with a win. He doesn't, they fumble, they give up some big plays, Georgia Tech wins the game, and now Miami has to deal with the aftermath. There is no way I can bet this game because I just have no idea what kind of mind state this team will be in. And if you think you know, I'd say you're lying to yourself. There's no way that anybody knows, I think, including the folks in that locker room, until that whistle blows, how they are going to come out and play against the Tar Heels on Saturday night. I am so fascinated in watching it, and I am fascinated if UNC can make a statement here. That defense has been playing so much better this season. Drake May is Drake May. I said I was interested a few weeks ago in seeing if I could bet them 7-1 to one or 8-1 to one to win the ACC. That's what it was at. I said I didn't think it was going to drop a whole lot over the course of a weekend. Well, it did, and it's down to plus 500 now. Uh, UNC could be the second-best team in this league, and I think they have a big chance to make a big statement here on Saturday night. Excited to watch that one and see what happens a couple other games that I will be betting and I will have on the laptop on Saturday night. And I'm start with Oregon State hosting UCLA. The Beavers, three and a half point favorites in this one. The total, 54. And I'm going with Oregon State minus three and a half in this one. Since the start of the 2021 season, Oregon State has lost exactly one home game. And that was a 17 to 14 loss to USC last year. One home game over basically two and a half years. That is damn. Impressive. I also think this Oregon State offense is just a good, well-rounded offense. I've sung the praises of Jonathan Smith, their head coach, all year. I think he's one of the best offensive minds in football. I love what they've done with DJU. He's playing great. They have a great running game. And as impressed as I was with Washington State and Cam Ward throughout the season— and as impressed as I was last week with UCLA shutting them down and, and their defense, I think that Oregon State's offense is just much more well-balanced than Washington State's was. I'm also not quite sure about this UCLA offense and Dante more on the road. I also don't think the under- would be a necessarily a bad play here, the under 54, but I I'm more confident in Oregon state finding a way to come out with this victory. I like Oregon state minus three and a half because of their well-rounded offense. And some of my fears about, Dante Moore, who I think is going to be a fantastic quarterback someday in this league. He's shown so many flashes, but that was a rough game in Salt Lake City a few weeks ago. And uh, I mean, partly that's on the offensive line, too. That offense as a whole, I, I don't necessarily trust it on the road yet. I think the home field advantage can be huge in this league, especially in places like Washington State and Oregon State. Again, only one outright home loss is over the last two and a half seasons, which was 17 to 14 to USC last year. Give me the Beavers minus three and a half in this one. The last game that I am betting on Saturday night, we're going to go back to the state of North Carolina here for a big traditional Big four ACC rivalry, a rivalry game that has not been played a whole lot since ACC expansion back in the early 2000s. NC State goes on the road to Durham. They're three and a half point dogs, and they're both going to be starting new-ish quarterbacks. NC State made a quarterback change last week against Marshall. They go from Brennan Armstrong to MJ Morris, and Duke loses Riley Leonard at the end of that Notre Dame game. Despite what Mike Elko has said this week about him being day-to-day and throwing a football and et cetera, et cetera, it seems like Henry Boleyn, the backup, will get the start this week against NC State. Uh, Duke had a bye last week after that loss to NC State. The devil's three and a half point favorites in this one, the total 46 and a half, And I have two bets in this game. I am betting Duke minus three and a half and I am betting NC state team total under 20 and a half. Look, I know Riley Leonard is not going to play. I know how good Riley Leonard has been, but If you think that's all that Duke has been this year, you haven't been paying attention because Duke's defense has been good. Duke's defense has been better than its offense. Duke's defense is number 19 in SP+. They were dominant against Clemson in that opener. They've been dominant every step of the way. Mike Elko is a defensive guy. He was a defensive coordinator before getting this head coaching job. And I really trust that defense. I also do not trust that NC State Offense at all. NC State put up 48 points last week against Marshall. So if you didn't watch the game, if you're just looking at the box score, look, I understand there's a lot of college football games out there. You can't watch all of them. Nobody can. I spend days a week just going back and watching games that I couldn't catch on a Saturday. So if you didn't watch it, you might just look at that and say, okay, NC State got it figured out with MJ Morris. They made the quarterback change, and now they're going to score points. Now they're going to get things back on track. That's not quite how it actually worked. Marshall turned the ball over a lot in that game. NC State had a really good field position in that game. That This was not quite a, we are a dominant offense that is just going to run up and down the field and score on you now because we have this quarterback and he's figured things out. MJ Morris threw three picks in that game. So I don't quite think NC State has this thing figured out. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, I think that uh, it's easy to look at that 48-point total and say, yeah, they do. But you look deeper, you watch that game, and I think there's still a lot of issues on that offense. I still have concerns about the line. I still have concerns about the running game. I still have concerns about the skill position. And I have concerns about MJ Morris throwing three picks against Marshall. So give me NC State under 20 and a half points on their team total and give me Duke at home. Uh, as a three and a half point favorite with the backup Henry Boleyn at quarterback that is the one other thing I do like about this the fact that Duke is coming off a bye week so if there was ever a time for Riley Leonard to get hurt and them to prepare offensively to play without him it's having two weeks to do it. And they've had two weeks. They should be able to come up with a good game plan to get Berlin, those first team reps, to get him comfortable in that offense and, and come out with something. But at the end of the day, this is to me, it's Duke has a very good defense. NC state does not have a very good offense. I think Duke is going to shut that offense down, hold them to under 25 points and get the win Duke minus three and a half under 20 and a half points for NC state on the team total that's my show for today enjoy the games this week everybody it should be a fantastic week seven and i can't wait to come back on sunday and break it down all with you until next time keep the grill hot and the cooler cold